passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Bears with Joey Christopoulos and my co-host, former defensive end Corey Wooten. But first, let's talk about today's sponsor. Today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. It is back. It's better than ever. And all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on the seat on the field for another football season. And as always, BetOnline, it's your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. They've got a new updated site and interface. More odds, props, and contests. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. So go on the website or use your mobile device right now to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, and receive your bonus today from football, basketball, boxing, right on the way over to favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season with BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline.ag, that's where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming into the pod Oh boy, here we go. It's time to do a Bears Browns week four post game. The Bears lose 26 to 6 to the Browns in Cleveland. Could have been 2,600 to 6. I don't really think it makes any big of a difference. Let's bring in my co host right now, Chicago Bears former defensive end, who was probably a little bit jealous of Miles Garrett yesterday, having a lot of fun. It's Corey Wooten. Corey, man, great to see you. How are you? Oh, good to see you, man. I'm doing good personally, but when it comes to a, an analyst that, that, you know, works for Fox out there and then, you know, we do our podcast now and Believe Network, it's 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 tough day to talk talk Bears football. It really is, honestly. Um, you know, it's something that we all kind of feared, I, I think, deep down, um, you know, in this game. I thought I think we all thought it would, would turn out positive and, and things would go the way we wanted to, but it, it turned out the way that we that we fear so much, you know, the same kind of thing with Trubisky and and how Matt Nagy, you know, kind of ran this offense. That's exactly what happened. And it was it was tough to watch, man. Honestly, you know, I, I was I was watching the whole game every second of it. And I was just like, man, this this play calling, you know, is is it's just is it's been awful, you know, to, to be honest. It, it really was. And you know, I, I think when it comes to Matt Nagy, right? The first three three uh, games, right? The Rams, uh, the Bengals, and then now the Browns. The script, the first fifteen plays are pretty good, right? We look at the first three drives of the game, really good, and then after those those first scripted plays, it goes downhill, and that's what every coach does, right? Every coach in the league, they run their first fifteen off a of script, right? And then you kind of see what the defense is doing, and then you adjust accordingly. You adjust to, to how your team is playing, and Matt Nagy doesn't seem to do a good job with that, right? And, and that's half the battle as a coordinator. Um, you look on the other side of the ball, Kevin Stefanski, right? He's a head coach that's a coordinator that, that calls the plays for the Browns. You see how he was mixing and matching everything. 
The Bears have a talented pass rush. What did he do? He kept them off balance, right? Screens, draws, um, misdirection plays, mixing that play action in there, you know, with the running game. Um, we just didn't see any of that from, from Matt Nagy. And I think he cannot do both. I don't think he can head coach and, and coordinate. And, and like I said, everybody thinks he was this genius as an offensive coordinator when it was Andy Reid's show the whole time. He had the title as a coordinator. Right. But he didn't call the play. So people need to remember that not everybody can do both. Right. There are some coaches that do a great job at both. Andy Reid is one of them. Um, Stefanski has been doing a great job since he's been the head coach of the Browns. But Matt Nagy isn't that guy. And I think he needs to relinquish his play calling duties. Honestly, I, I think that's what needs to be done, because having 47 yards in a game. That this look this looked like the stat line of when Alabama plays University of uh, Louisiana Lafayette first game of the season. It, it, it's it was horrible, bro. It that should never happen, right? In a situation, you should never give up nine sacks. If, if chip help, um, screens, draws, anything you can do, like you know, you saw towards the end of the game when the Bears were getting more pressure, you know, at certain points, they were chip help the Browns. They had more chip help on the tackles and things of that nature. They were doing stuff to keep them off balance. The Bears just did none of that. It's like, it's like you see somebody struggling and then you provide no help, right? So people get mad at this, that, or whatever. But as a, as a coordinator, as a head coach, you have to do a better job of putting your guys in a position to succeed. Right. And I thought he did a good job of that with Andy Dalton. But as far as Justin Fields, and it and it seems a lot like Mitchell Trubisky, the same way he he did for him. Hey, you know, Justin Fields and them, they have you know good mobility, able to use their feet. But it just seems like with the mobile quarterbacks, he he doesn't quite know how to how to figure out the game plan for them. And it's a young guy that looked nervous out there at times. Get him on the run. You know, he, Drew Brees even said it on, on the, uh, you know, the Sunday night football. He said, hey, man, you, you got to get him on the run. You got like I was saying all week. Right. Some of those sprint out plays, uh, hard play actions, boots, things of that nature to have give him those options. The RPOs. We didn't see too many of those. And that's a situation where you just can't leave your guys out, you know, for, to dry out there. And that's that's what he did. Man, really well said top to bottom and and Corey um all right I'm gonna step into the box for a second and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a second all right and I'm I'm not gonna okay. try and get too meathead but man this uh so as, as we talked about on the pre-pod right uh I was super excited we got together for a preview uh listeners thank you for doing that in advance if you did that we got both together on this pod and we both picked the Bears to win this week against the Browns and we got off the pod and I was like I was like, wow, I was actually, you know, I was actually feeling really good about it, man. If we do this, that, and the other, we can totally make it happen. But in the back of my head, that little bear's devil on my shoulder was going like, he's going to get his head kicked in. And I was like, no, 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 stop that. Stop that right now. Everything's going to be okay. No big deal. So, dude, like, I got a call, like, late Saturday night. I got invited out to SoFi to see Rams, Buccaneers, to see Tom Brady for the first time in person. It's like seeing Paul McCartney, like a living beetle or something. And I said, you know what, maybe it's a good idea. Maybe I go to the game and do it. So I watched the first half, and then I watched the rest on my phone, and at SoFi, obviously terrible performance. I actually got through it okay, and I'm driving home, and I started getting super mad. I literally had to put on 
Um, my seventh grade, uh, one of my seventh grade favorite albums, like the Batman Forever soundtrack with like <laughs> you and Method Man and Offspring. And just like I had to like go back in time to like sort of do it because I was getting more and more upset as I went along. And here's the deal, man. And look, man, I'm, I'm more than happy to be wrong. Like that's my biggest thing in life is if I say something and I'm wrong, I think that's wonderful because it's instructive for me. And someone actually gets to prove something that I'm pessimistic incorrect. And in my opinion right now, Matt Nagy is not the coach for Justin Fields. And until he changes my mind, this beginning right now and this time, I know there's probably a lot of people out there that want Nagy to be fired. It's not going to happen, guys. You know, I, This is probably maybe the third time that I've talked about Coach Nagy's job on this podcast. The one was after they lost their fifth in a row last year, one after they lost their sixth in a row, and now after this performance. But they, we're in complete crisis mode right now because it's not just about justin fields the offensive line or whether alan robinson is getting targets is is matt Nagy going to be able to coach justin fields moving forward that is a crucial thing that we need to figure out we lost by 20 points the other day it could have been 200 bears fans we've seen 20 point losses before right i mean it didn't feel like that it felt so much worse and dude maybe i'm missing something because here's the deal you came on this preview pod and you were talking about a Bears, how to be successful in this week, right? And, dude, what you just said, boot plays, move the pocket. You know, if you're not trusting your offensive line, maybe move away from them a little bit. Hell, dude, Matt Nagy, run up, throw a bubble screen. I don't even care. Do a jet sweep, man. Do, do a sprint right, do a sprint left. I don't even care, man. Do something. They did none of that at any sort of point at all during this game. Man, run a screen pass is a defensive end, man. You know more than anything else. When you got your ears pinned back and you're smelling chum in the water, what's a great way to counter that up? Screen pass. What do the Cleveland Browns do with Cream Hunt? Throw a screen pass, man. And here's the thing that I can't wrap my head around. And let's try and bring it to a human level. And this is kind of my final point is on a human level, if you're an NFL coach, an NFL player, or just maybe a fan on the couch, when Justin Fields gets drafted by Matt Nagy, mm -hmm. the most human element is he goes home that night and it's almost like, hey, I got a date on Friday, right? I got a first date or I'm getting a new car or something. You go home, you start doing all this work. You start fantasizing. You start envisioning, picturing what this offense could be like with this player. You go home. He's he's a dude that I guess is renowned for like writing up plays and keeping plays in his wall. You don't tell me that after five months of football, there aren't Justin Fields plays that he's cooked up, that he's been so excited to release and unleash upon the world. And then all of a sudden we don't see any of those so either one of two things happens either one he hasn't been planning for justin fields and andy dalton only exclusively through this offensive one-minded prism which is complete negligence which is definitely fireable or he has no idea what to do with justin fields even in the first place and i can't even believe that i'm understanding this concept of you know the the rpos and everything that's going on it's just so crazy you know jason peters you know looked overmatched at times. They couldn't get him any help. I don't understand how Cole Komet has one target and one catch for 11 yards. Jimmy Graham plays six snaps. J.P. Holtz and Jesse James both dress in this game and then don't get in there on any kind of max protect just to help him out at any point in this game. I mean, man, it's like malpractice at the highest order. And now I'm like, I'm every single game now is a referendum on Matt Nagy, and I don't know exactly... Uh, maybe I can pose it to you. What do you think it's going to take to get Matt Nagy, not just on the side of Bears fans because he's probably lost them, but how does he get the locker room back in his favor? I mean, it starts this week with the Lions, but how long do you think that could take?
I, well, I, I think the, the thing he needs to do is just, like I said, relinquish his play calling duties. I, I think Bill Lazor has has to have have the calls from now on. And I, I think that's what you do because the season's not over by any means, right? They're one and two right now. They have a very winnable game against the Lions. But let's just say like this, Matt Nagy does nothing. They come out this week against the Lions, right? A very beatable team. And they, they stink it up like they did last week, right? The offense is, is completely terrible. That's a situation where he's, he's got to go at, at least with the play calling, you know? And I, I think he should do that this week. And I think, you know, it's, it's, the seat's going to be really hot, that, that head coaching seat, if, if he comes out this week with the play calling and does a terrible job of it. But I think he should, like I said, relinquish the play calling duties because some people cannot do both. And that's, it's hard to manage everything, right? Andy Reid in Kansas City has a good situation, right? You know, he trusts his defensive coordinator. You handle that, right? Dave Tobe is special teams coordinator. He trusts him. I played for Dave Tobe. He's great, can run that. And then Andy Reid runs the offense and that's how the ship runs. But not every team has that, right? You have to have trust in all your coordinators and, and et cetera. So he, he needs to relinquish the play calling duties let laser give him a shot this week, right? Give him a shot. That's his job. You know, he can call plays. Let's, let's see how this is. Let's see how this works out. Let's see how he game plans for him because you have to take a look in the mirror and Olin Cruz had had said that as well. Right. I'm sure you saw that clip. That was the one I saw. Yeah. Yeah, I just stay away from all the stuff. Cause I know we're all going to be upset. Yeah. A lot of the same hey. but Olin definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, he hit, he hit the nail on the head, you know, talking about, you know, he needs to look in the mirror with, with the Y right above him uh, for, for the Y why the bears offense can't get things going. And yeah, it, it's just accountability. And, and he's, he's been there with enough time, enough years that went by where things haven't worked. Um, and he's supposed to be what people call this, this offensive of genius, but like I said, people forget that he didn't call the plays. So he doesn't have that much experience like people think. And I think it comes down to him just not being able to game plan for a mobile quarterback, right? Because we saw what he was able to do with Andy Dalton for the Bengals. He had a great plan for him um, until he got hurt. But it seems like with the mobile quarterbacks, he, he kind of can't figure out, okay, how do I suit their strengths? And that's half the battle. Mitch Trubisky Everybody's saying like this on Twitter and everything. They're saying maybe it wasn't Mitch Trubisky. Maybe it was Matt Nagy, right? And that could very well, because if I, I guarantee you, if Mitch Trubisky went to the Patriots, right, and he was their guy when Tom Brady left, I, I think Bill Belichick would have put him in a situation to succeed. Would he have lit it up like Tom Brady? Probably not. But would he be, Would he have been in a lot better situation than he was for the Bears? I think so, for sure. You know, and that that's what the Patriots do well. They put their guys in positions to succeed, right? They take guys that usually are cut from this team or cut from that team and nobody wants them. They can't play in the league. And then he brings them there and they're able to do well, right? A guy like Brian Hoyer was bouncing around from team to team, was ended, ended up being a starter, you know, for, for a while. So that's a situation where every good coach should be able to put his guys in the position to succeed, whoever that is, as a starter, as a as a uh, wide receiver, as a running back, as defensive end, defensive lineman. Um, you should be able to put your guys in a position to succeed. And it seems like Matt Nagy cannot do that on the offensive side of the ball, especially when it comes to the mobile quarterback. Then, Corey, you know, riddle me this, man. This might be rhetorical. If 
and I and what you're saying, man, makes a ton of sense because this is what we're seeing with our eyes right now in terms of yeah. what Matt Nagy can and can't handle. Why did you draft Justin Fields? You know, why didn't why? they just take Mac Jones? I, you know, I mean, I, what, what's your take on that? Well, I, I think I think this whole time, right? What what I think I think deep down, Matt Nagy knows a mobile quarterback would be the best for this system. This is just Andy Reid's system. Okay, it's not Matt Nagy's system. It's Andy Reid. I think he, they know because they've seen the success with um, Alex Smith, who's a mobile guy, doesn't get enough credit when, when he plays for the Chiefs, and Patrick Mahomes, they're mobile guys. Um, but I think when it comes down to it, Matt Nagy probably wants more of a, a drop back, a game manager, you know, maybe not the most exciting quarterback, you know, out there. And, and that's how he can game plan well, because look, look at what he was able to do with Andy Dalton. You know, I thought he put him in a pretty, pretty good situation where he was limiting turnovers with the exception of the first game. But yeah, I, I just don't think, you know, he's, he's able to do that. Um, and I think deep down, he knew Justin Fields is, is, is my guy. He's the best guy out here. I feel comfortable with him and he's probably excited to get him. And then when it came down to, to game planning, right. Because everything came up to this week, right. I felt confident. In it. I was talking to all podcasts. I said, Listen, this is Matt Nagy's defining game, right? This is his defining game. And real quick, Corey, be- Corey, you had a great game plan, dude. Your game plan actually probably gave them a shot to win, which I do want to get to at some point because yeah. this game was actually winnable. We, you know, we were in this ball game for a large stretch. Of this Ten game. to three at halftime, it, d- despite how bad they played, right? And Thirteen to six, yeah, in the quarter. Exactly. So th- this wasn't this wasn't a blowout by any means. It was still a, a winnable game, and and just. Let me let me ask you this. So I just look at over the game, right? Especially in the second half, right? Where you come out where you have the ball, right? You have a quarterback that's struggling, you're struggling to get things going, right? So what does he do? Three consecutive passes, <laughs> right? Three consecutive passes, as opposed to, okay, well, you have a workhorse at David Montgomery. Let's put two tight ends in there, right? Two tight ends. Let's run the football first down. Let's run the football second down. And then let's let's get a boot out there. We can get him on the edge, right? Where it's maybe third and two, third and one. And we have a situation where, hey, he can run. He can pass the ball. We have options, right? Where was any of that, right? And then I look at a situation in, in the, first, the first drive, right? Third and two, right? Remember I talked about those dreaded toss plays, right? When you only need two oh yards, God, right? What do you toss on David Montgomery, right? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna go... You're going to go five yards behind the line of scrimmage to try to get two yards. Oh, that, that makes sense, right? Okay. And then you have a second and one situation in the second half, I believe, right, where, um, you know, Justin Fields completes a good pass. Instead of coming up to the line real quick and getting a run play downhill to get the first down, what does he do? Pass the ball, right? Okay. And then it's incomplete. Then third third and one, right? Afadi jumps offside. Then you got third and six. Then it ends up with a sack. But situations like that, like you have to get ahead of the down, especially if a quarterback is struggling, your offense is struggling, have to run the football because it's still a tight game. It wasn't like it was 21 to nothing, you know, in, in the third quarter. It wasn't 28 nothing. You still had a situation where you could win the game and you didn't have to rush at the time. So that's that's what I'm most confused about, especially starting that second half was three consecutive passing plays. You don't want to set the tone. They already had a bunch of sacks on you. I don't. I don't understand. You know, being being able to keep them off balance. Maybe start with the screen and draw early on. 
maybe, maybe a, a draw, you know, first, first play, right? Oh, uh, you know, they, they see the offensive lineman in that pass setting stance, one, two, three, throw them by, right? Create the lane. That's five, six yards right there. So I, I didn't understand. It just got to a situation where Miles Garrett and, and Jadavion Clowney were like, every rusher's dream. Let me pin my ears back and rush. I don't have to worry about the screen. I don't have to worry about the draw because there was none of that, right? There was none of that. And, you know, Miles Garrett, I mean, shoot, he might, he might mess around and, and break straight hands record now after, after this game, because this is giving him confidence. Like when you have a four and a half sack game, I mean, that's, that's going to give you all the confidence you need. And that should have never happened. Right. At the minute he got two sacks, it was just like this. He is not getting any more sacks. Right. Because, because if, if you look at priorities in, on that defense, right. I'm thinking Miles Garrett right up here. Jadavion Clan, I think he's talented, but not as talented as Garrett. So I'm going to say like this, hey, I'm going to put all my focus on him and he's not going to impact this game anymore. That's what I would have done, right? Or a situation where you can you can take care of both of them, right? You have two tight ends and you have Jimmy Ground on one side, you have Cole Komet, you have them chip before they go out, then go into their route, right? Or you have David Montgomery chip one side, Cole Komet chip on the other side. Help them out, right? That's that's what most coaches would do in a situation where your, your pass protection is not protecting correctly or your quarterback's holding the ball too much, you buy yourself an extra second. It was it was incredible. Yeah, man, and what, what happened on the first play of the game, right? If I remember correctly, two tight end set, but they created in a trips formation, and then they brought people back to the right side, and then they ran a counter to David Montgomery. They yeah. did nothing where they reversed the field at any point, and the fact that they didn't even attempt a screen pass is just it's just malpractice, right, at some point, yeah. because Cleveland – at, in most part, they were bringing everybody. Like, they just didn't care. They just said, we're going to yeah. bring everybody and let's see what happens. And and to your point, man, they didn't bring in any in any help at any point. They didn't really do anything to alleviate. And it felt like every single time Matt Nagy would get back out there on the field calling plays, it was almost like, I'm going to be scared. Let's try and get this little something here and there. And it was always second and nine, third and eight, third and seven, over and over again. No creativity, no anything. Man, I got to ask you, like, as someone who's never played the game, you've been in the locker room before. This is one of those kinds of questions. You see a guy like Jimmy Graham retweeting the 1.1 yards per play stat. You just got to be wondering what's going on in Allen Robinson's head right now. Do they get any, not during the game, I'm going to say not during the game because that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Do they get any input in this game plan? Are they allowed to go to a coaching staff and say, hey, I see this, I think this, hey, I'm willing to do that. Hey, we got to get, you know, JP out there to help out. Hey, I'm willing to help. If you're Jimmy Graham, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Put me out there. Get me out there for more than six snaps. Are you allowed to do that from an offensive player's perspective? Because they, then there's a disconnect there where I think they need to be listening to some of the weapons that are on this team that are obviously not being featured in the correct way. Yeah, I think it just depends on the situation with, with the locker room. I would think Allen Robinson is a guy, a veteran guy that's been around. He's been with the Bears for enough years and put up the stats and shown that what he's capable of. I, th I would think that Matt Nagy and company have the trust in him to, to be able to have him talk back to them, give them feedback, et cetera. But Justin Fields, I mean, he's a younger guy that probably is just trying trying to go out there and think about everything and probably not thinking beyond what he needs to do right now. He's probably thinking about his job, what he needs to do at the particular time, but he's probably not in a situation where he's like, oh, I think we can get him on this. I think that's, that comes with time. You know, as a, as a young guy, some, some guys don't speak up as much as they, they potentially should. 
but I think a guy like Allen Robinson is, is definitely trying to talk to the coaches. Um, I saw he was visibly frustrated on some of the sacks. Like, you know, I like they kept panning in on him. He's, you know, throwing his hands up. And there's definitely vis visible, uh, you know, he, he's definitely irritated about that. And Jimmy Graham reposting that. I think that's telling you everything you need to know, right? Six plays. He's definitely frustrated. So I think guys in the locker room, I, I don't think that's a good sign for the team in, in general. You know, usually when guys buy into stuff, you know, they're not letting all these outside distractions. But I, I definitely know for a fact that the guys in the locker room are questioning Matt Nagy. That's 100% true. Um, and anybody says that, that they're not, they're lying. You, you should never be in a situation where you have a, a 47 yards of total offense in a game. That's, that's Bush League. And, and, you know, that's, like I said, that's like a game Alabama against the, the one double A team that they played first week of the season. That's, that's not an NFL team out there. You, you well, should never put up stats like that. And Corey, uh, the first play of the game was that Dave Montgomery 16 yard run. So if you were late to watching the game today by one play, you missed over a third of their total net offense. Right. Entire game. And look, Bears fans, we've been through this before. We've seen awful offensive performances. You know, you mentioned, you know, I, I remember the first half against the Eagles with Trubisky. I think that was one of the worst offense. You know, th and this is like a new low. And if you thought the Rams week one was bad, this has gotten worse. Over the last 28 games, the Bears are averaging 17.6 offensive points per game. That's 28 games, Corey. That's a huge sample size now. And I'm with you, man. It's not working. And if the dam, you know, if the, the isn't leaking already from the dam and it's about to burst loose, it's getting pretty close, right? And I think the only way to maybe stave this off is if maybe people in general like Matt Nagy is the leader of the football team that's fine, and maybe we can have that conversation where he's still capable of doing that. But the play calling, man, it's got to change, and it's just—it's one of those things too, where you know, when there's when there's a fire in the kitchen at the fast food restaurant, sometimes the manager gets fired even if he doesn't cause the fire. You know what I mean? Exactly. He's the one in charge at the end of the day, and that's just something that I think kind of needs to really just needs to probably happen and hopefully come down the pipe in the next couple of days, and hopefully we're talking about it on the preview pod when we I we roll it out Thursday morning. That, that's what I'm hoping. And I hope it's not a situation where he's like, if the ship's going down, it's going down with me as the captain. You know, I hope it's not that type of situation. Because, because listen, like I said, the season is only one and two right now, right? You win against the, the Lions and offense does well, then you have some momentum, right? You, you, have, a, you have a good defense, right? And I know people are going to gonna harp on the defense. You know, they didn't play the best, but it's hard when, you're, when your offense is going three and, three and out every time, you know, and, and nothing's they were They were on the field They were on the field for almost 40 minutes of the game, Corey. Exactly. So I think that's telling you everything you need to know. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it, it's a situation where, like, Matt Nagy just, just has to relinquish it and say, hey, let's see how this is going to go, right? Because I haven't done a good enough job. You, you just have to be honest with yourself. It's, it just hasn't worked out, and that's it. But, who, but it could be a great situation, right? Matt Nagy could be the best head coach in the world, right? Yeah, just, yeah managing everything, right? Why? But just as a play caller, he's not. Yeah, why, does he, why is he so obsessed with being the best offensive coordinator in the world when he can just try and be the best head coach that he can be? You do know you get paid more to be the head coach, right, Corey? Last time exactly. I checked? But I think the situation now where you see where the league is going, right? You look at some of the, the greatest offensive minds in the NFL, oh, right? I know. Andy, Andy Reid, you know, um, 
The Rams coach, Sham, Sean McVay. Hey, Kingsbury. Yeah, Kingsbury. Yeah. So it's they're they're all head coaches, offensive coordinators. And then people are in his head, he's probably thinking like this. It is you can say whatever you want, but I think it's completely an ego thing. It's a thing like I can do both. I can, I can, I don't need anybody else to do it. I can do everything. And no, you cannot. And I'm sorry, that's not everybody's cup of tea. It didn't work out the way we wanted to, but the season is still salvageable, right? We can still go on and make the playoffs, but give Bill Lazor a chance. Give him a chance to, to, you know, you hired him for a reason, right? He can call plays. Let's see how he does with the game plan, because I guarantee you it will be better than Nagy, because what we saw on Sunday, yesterday, that was that was was awful man that that is embarrassing and i know every player on that team was embarrassed at that performance and anybody that says they weren't that's a lie you know because you go out there sometimes as a player and you have a game like that where you're just completely embarrassed you know and we've had when i played we had defensive games like that where we let up 500 600 it was it was embarrassing you know and i know the offense is embarrassed of everything but don't let that define you you know you you can bounce back from this right and i think the Lions is, is a confidence-building game that you can win, right? Especially if you game plan the way you should. Bill Lazor, I'm hoping a day, two days from now, that Matt Nagy says, listen, I looked in the mirror. I'm not the guy. I'm going to let Bill Lazor do it, and that's it. Boom. You take all the pressure off yourself, right? You take all the pressure. Why would he want that pressure when he's shown that he can't do it? Take the pressure off yourself. Say, hey, this season is, is, is still in the running. My man Bill is going to handle it. Boom, let's do it. I guarantee you it'll be a better situation for the Bears franchise this season. Um, you know, Justin Fields, the whole offense. It, it, would be, it would be night and day better. Man, I certainly hope so because embarrassing is the word that I think of. And I got to tell you, I'm doing a bunch of stuff this week talking to Lions people on the Believe Podcast Network. And I'm embarrassed to walk into the Lions thing and talk to them. You know, that's – that's when you know it's bad, man. And look, yeah. you're also right. The season's very early, but this isn't just a throw it in the trash can game and, and you know, and turn the page and walk on because if you walk away from this game, you're going to turn around and that ga- that garbage can's going to be on fire, right? Oh, There's going to be some and you got to you got to you got to address this thing now and you got to figure it out. Um let's Let's kick the horse a couple more times, and then I do want to get your take on the defense a little bit because I, I have some positive thoughts. I think that yeah. I'd like to say about the defense for sure. So, so real quick about, about about this game right here, right? So, don't you think right here in this situation, how bad they played on Sunday, um, how bad the offense was? This is a must-win game. Like I, I think this is, I think this is, this is probably the most important game of Matt Nagy's career right here. I, I think for sure. I, I agree with you. I, I think his leash is, is is as short as it can be right now. And they're thinking, listen, if 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 this goes sideways this game and we lose this game and we go one and three, that might be a situation where the seed is hot and they could be like at a, at a situation like, let's fire him. You know, I, I honestly think so. And I, I don't want to call for anybody's job, but I think that's a situation where they're looking looking at everything after last week and saying, Okay, this is a critical game for him, and and we need to see how this goes, and it better be something good. It better be a win. You know, it may not be pretty, but it has to be a win. I'm with you, man. Season the season's young, all that stuff, wins and losses. If you drop to one and three, your season isn't over. But I'm completely with you, man. It's how you do it. It's how it looks. It's the optics of it. And you're telling me right now, 
that the Bears lose to the 0-3 Lions at home next week. Mm-hmm. And the, chance the offense are, plays bad. And the, the chances plays- are the reason why we lose is because the offense plays bad. I'm not I'm not I'm I'm with you, man. I never want to call for someone's job, but I am willing to say that Matt Nagy Maggie is coaching for his job starting next week. And again, moving forward. Let's just say next week we score 42 points or whatever, right? And that all all hunky-dory. And maybe the next week, let's also just say we play well against the Raiders and and maybe we win, right? Maybe we score 25 points. I'm not getting off this, man. This is this is now this is now each week is a new test for Matt Nagy and each one counts so big in terms of the grand picture of Justin Fields and this organization moving forward. I think all the the, the leeway and all the little slack and everything, I think it's all got ripped out from underneath him now, and I think that slack now is as tight as a tightrope as can possibly be after this performance. And every single week is a referendum on, is Matt Nagy the guy that should be coaching Justin Fields moving forward? Because that decision has to be made, and we have to get it correct, man. Or guess what? In four years, we'll be moving on from Trubisky and, and spending more draft capital. And then we'll be looking now, you know, obviously Mitch, the whole Mitch situation, whether it was his fault or not, we're starting to believe that there were other things going on that contributed to him having a problem. You know, that, that burns five or six years of your bears fandom life, that organization, everything that you put into it, burning Khalil Max, you know, a, amazing career on the other side. It's just, it's killing so many things. So I'm with you, man. It starts this week. He's definitely coaching for his job. If he loses to the lions, Dude, he's getting fired. I mean, or I'll, I'll be the first one to do the whole thing. Like, I'll be the first meathead out here. I yeah. don't like to do it, but I'm going to be the first one to be like, we got to fire this dude and move on because yeah. you can only go so far, and the season is still salvageable enough where you got to make a move. Exactly. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, but, yeah, to, to go on, on on a positive note, I guess, I guess let, let, let's look at the defense side of the ball, right, like and in, in defensive line. I, I think that's, that's the most positive aspect of last game, right? They have five yeah. sacks in there. My, my guy, Robert Quinn, that I told you, would Dude. have a bounce-back season. He should have had three and a half sacks, honestly. He missed, did you he missed see two him, in the game. Did you see him leap onto Chubb on one yeah. of those plays? Like, he's yeah. he's dialed in. He's locked in. He looks electric and fast out there. I told you. Did I not call it, man? Did I not call it? I said, I said he's going to be fired up about last season, right? Only two yeah. sacks for, you know, in, in my mind, one of the more talented pass rushers that played in this in this past decade. Mm-hmm. Um, since 2011, mm-hmm. since his career started. Um, but yeah, I mean, he just looks like he has a different gear right now. And we didn't see this Robert Quinn last year. And sometimes for whatever reason, he, he could have been banged up or sometimes just people get complacent or, or have a lull in their career where they just feel like, oh, you know, they just maybe don't have the same motivation. And and that I think that was the case, whether it was injury or, or, or lack of motivation last year. But this year, you see him, he's coming off the edge with, with a different level of speed and quickness, his timing, his anticipation of, of, of the snap, using his, his hand usage is unreal how it used to be. And, and this is a guy that's in his 10th, 11th year in the league. Um, man, it, it's, it's fun to watch. And what I, what I always said is he's a guy that's always been known for his pass rushing ability, but what he's doing now in this Bears defense is something he's never done. He's playing the run extremely well. Right. And it's elevating is making Khalil Mack's job that much easier. Right. Because when Leonard Floyd was there for all those years, they kind of struggled to have that two headed monster. And now we have that two headed monster at pass rush. And it is great to see. And then how about Mario Edwards coming off the bench? His first game back from the suspension had a great sack in there. 
And then Angelo Blackson, I mean, he's been great off the bench, you know, had half a sack in there, some tackles, he's been disruptive. So it's good to see that defensive line rotation. Um, that's what's key to it. And I think they're only going to continue to get better from the defensive line standpoint. But the one negative, right, was was the, the lack of being able to stop that run game. I thought they were okay in the past game. They had five sacks. Um, Baker Mayfield didn't carve them up too much. Um, but they weren't able to stop Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt. And, and I think credit the play calling to, to, to Fansky. He really kept them off balance, right? They, they gave up five sacks of the game, but they were able to do screens, draws. They're able to really keep that defensive line off balance. I'm interested to also get your perspective on the concept of, yeah, and, and look, the way that the game started, one of our keys to a win was third and short, and they were doing great on that, even on exactly. fourth and short. They were showing up on those downs. Baker looked terrible on the first couple of drives, right? Yeah. Inaccurate. The balls were sailing all over the place. There might have been a little bit of an element of, hey, maybe there's some turnovers coming around. And I just want to get your perspective, man, because I thought that the, actually the unit played really, really solid. And my yep. probably my only major negative is when we finally got that field goal to make it 13-6, to six, we did the thing that, that this defense, unfortunately, has been um, guilty of many, many times of immediately giving up a score after we put on the board second-half yep. points. And that touchdown, you know, the Kareem Hunt touchdown, I think that was when, really when that screen game started to hurt them a whole lot. Tackling was a little bit of an issue, and he kind of just yep. ran them over and made the game 20-6. to six. That's probably my only negative, man, but – but honestly, man, keep keep going on this because they're on the field for 40 minutes. Yeah. The offense looks terrible. They're actually playing a really great game. Robert Quinn and Cleo Mack look like they're on the same page for like really like the first, first time that they've ever played together, where it's like they're reading each other's moves, tons of confidence. You know, that first half, they were able to stop them on multiple occasions, hold them to field goals. Yep. But from a defensive player's standpoint, man, like mentally you know how many times can you go back to the well and just without knowing that the, there's no one coming for you on the other side exactly. yeah, no, no help. help coming no help coming at all it's got to wear on you a little bit and i felt like it weared on this bears defense towards the tail end it, it did because you you saw even even in the third quarter it was still tight you know it was the situation 13 to 6 um they just got tired. I mean, that's what it is. You know, those, those screen draws, you know, that, that they were really carving them up with, um, you know, some of those. And you saw some of the coverage toward the end of the game, you know, when they were playing off about 20 yards. We have a situation third and seven. They were just tired. That's that's really what it, what it came down to. And I could just see the way they were, the effort towards the football. It wasn't the same that we saw in the, in the first three quarters. Um, in that fourth quarter, they were gassed. And it's hard to ask a team, especially a defensive team to say, okay, our offense went three and out five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times in a row. And then we have to bow up every time and we don't have that rest. Right. And, and Cleveland wasn't just having, you know, three and out drives themselves. They were having, you know, 10 play drives, 12 play drives. even though the bears were getting off the field and, and causing them to punt, not giving up many points, it still wears on you those long drives. And, and that's what I was saying on the Bears, what they should have done offensively is run the football, right? Because it may not be pretty in certain situations, but if you continue stacking first downs, even if you don't score, it wears the defense down. And guys like Miles Garrett, they can't just pin their ears back and get four and a half sacks, get nine sacks total as a team. 
So that's a situation where the Bears defense was just tired because you saw you saw towards the end of the game, they weren't able to have that same consistent pass rush because they were tired, right? The first three quarters, I thought it was solid and the game was tight, but that's what matters. That's how you wear down teams, what the Browns did. And that's what I was hoping what the Bears would do with Justin Fields was they would wear down that front, right? Because you knew they were going to get some sacks, you know, and, and you look at before this game, right? I think they had two or three sacks coming into this game. The Browns total, total team sacks, right? And then we let up nine against them. So I, I just think it, it comes down to game planning because the, the two teams prior that played them, they were like, listen, we're going to wear this team down. We're not going to let Miles Garrett and Clowney beat us, right? We're going to run the football. We're going to keep them off balance. That's what the Texans did. That's what the Chiefs did. And yeah, we just didn't see that from the Bears. So I, I just think that came down to game planning. And yeah, you just you just can't leave your defense out to dry because they can only show up so many times in a game. No excuses but perspective. I think the Cleveland Browns offensive line is probably one of the better, bigger offensive lines I think the Bears are probably going to see all season long. And I think we all know who Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are because they made themselves very, very, very important <laughs> in that game too as well. So um, I got two more things for you, and uh, maybe we can get out of here on this. So let's start first. I just want you to take on Miles Garrett, man. I mean, you know, he, he plays he, – he works in your trade, my friend. Um we can go on and on all we want about Jason Peters, Matt Nagy's play calling, his uh, pirate-like mustache, which I enjoyed very much. But can you just can you just talk about that performance? Because truly, I mean, this guy was everywhere. If he wasn't coming from the side on Justin Fields, he was coming up front. He was coming from behind him at times. I mean, the guy was playing all out yesterday. And a little bit of credit, I think, needs to go to an, an all-pro player like Miles Garrett. Yeah, I mean, he, he was on a different level. Um, I, I honestly think, you know, hats off to him, four and a half sacks. That's incredible in, in any game. Um, that's incredible in, in, you know, five games. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> yet, yet alone one. But with all that aside, I really, I really think he should have really only had two sacks in that game, right? A couple of them holding the ball too long. Jason yeah. Peters trying to cut block, things of that nature. But – when you when you talk about Miles Garrett as a passer, I mean he's he's one of the best I've seen. I, I think he's up there as as the best defensive end in the league right now. I mean his combination of size, speed, power. I mean he can do it all. Um, and then think about it, right? Justin Fields normally gets away from ninety nine percent of defensive ends. That one play where he scooped his leg and hit Almost him. Almost did. And yeah, yeah, it happened. But, but, but 99% of the ends in the league, uh, they're not catching Justin Fields. They're not hitting his legs. But Miles Garrett's such a great athlete. I mean, you see the guy's freaking nature. Um, got an eight-pack. I mean, seen him, seen him dunking basketballs, windmilling. I mean, I don't think there's anything he can't do. His hand usage. And then what I really love about him is they slide him inside, right? Because that's such a mismatch at times. Him against a, a guard, right? Because he's strong enough to go against them with power. Then he's quicker quicker than them where he can you know give them that chop move and get around them and you just saw how him and Clowney on the same side it's 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 kind of like what uh Tennessee used to do with Kyle Vandenbosch and Albert Hainsworth mm. that and Javon Curse as well you know they would do that tandem from time to time where they would put Curse and Hainsworth on the same side and then overload that really good and then he'd come underneath and it was it was a, such an incredible thing to watch um but that's what they're trying to do over there as well but 
I mean, anytime you have four and a half sacks, you got you got to give your, your hats off to that guy. Because regardless of what happened and what the Bears weren't doing or what they were doing, he was able to get home. And, and the sack is one of the hardest things to do in this league. And four and a half, um, yeah. But <laughs> that being said, my my game plan would have been like I'm this this guy is the best guy in the league, just like an Aaron Donald for his position. Let's not let him beat us, right? I would rather them say. Let's let Clowney beat us because I, Clowney is is a super talented guy, but he's not the type of guy that's going to have four and a half on you. That's just not what he does, right? He's a guy that'll play the run really well, have a sack or two here, but he will not go off like a Miles Garrett. So that would have been my game plan. Like, hey, let's put all the attention on Garrett, right? Garrett's going to be on Jason Peters majority of the time. Let's put all our energy on him, right? Then Justin Fields, Clowney plays that left end on Justin Fields' right side, so he can see him a little bit yeah. more. You know, hey, Afadi, let, remember how I said, this is a thing where, where you're working with Afadi, let him come inside. I'm going to hit that corner real quick. And that's a situation where you bait him inside. You know, that's what Aaron Rodgers did for years with his right tackle. He, he always had a, at times, a suspect right tackle, and he'd, he'd tell him, let him inside, right? In that situation where you let him inside, he hit that corner, then he had the option to run or pass the ball down the field. So that's a situation where that should have been game plan with Matt Nagy. Yes. Says, right? That's that's a situation where I'm just like, oh my goodness, why didn't you think of that, right? All the attention on Miles Garrett, right? Let Clowney make an inside move and let's hit that corner. Boom. That that should have been a situation, uh, but that, that comes down to just, yeah. He needs to give up the play calling, and we need to move forward. I'm hoping today, the next day, Wednesday, um, that that we see you know Ian Rappaport or one of these guys break it, breaking that that news, and something's got to change, man. It's it's just you should never you should never let a team have nine sacks against you, Un unless it was a situation where you're down all these points the whole game and you had to do this or that. But it wasn't a situation like that. It was it was tight until the fourth quarter. So, yeah, Miles Garrett should have had two, could have had seven, finished yes. four and a half, man. <laughs> and honestly, you know, Corey, man, I, I want to take the time real quick. And I want to give you, man, I want to give you a ton of credit because in my personal opinion, and I hope the listeners feel the same way, man, you're bringing great, great, great analysis to all this stuff about how to not only for Bears fans that don't play the game, but to figure out when you're watching the game, what is and what isn't going on. I will admit that. Your analysis has been kind of so spot on that it's making me really upset because the Bears aren't doing it on Sundays. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like they're doing the opposite, dude. You know what I mean? Like I stuff that you break down and the stuff that you bring to the table here on Believe in Bears, uh, you know, for these Thursday morning previews. I'm walking out of it being like, yes, this makes sense. And it's not it's nothing crazy. I mean, you know what I mean? This is really solid, fundamental, foundational stuff with a few cool wrinkles, like the wrinkle that you just provided now about, hey, let you let you Davian Clowney just cut inside. Afadi, you're not gonna beat him in there anyways. So just let it happen and then use it against them somehow. Exactly. Exactly. And the fact that they're refusing to do it, I think, is just sort of elevating my frustration levels, man. Yeah. But honestly, man, like a credit a credit to you, dude. And um and hopefully, maybe uh, eventually they start listening to people that yeah, play, like you that know what you're talking about. Like, I, I appreciate it. But I've said this from the beginning. I think Matt Nagy, and, and there's a lot of coaches in the league like this, they try to get too cute. And what I've been breaking down is simple football. It's 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 something that's, you know, the, the, the simplest aspect of the game, right? Run the football, you know, 
be able to be able to set up the run and the play action. And then you have a, a mobile quarterback, the RPOs, get them on the run, get the sprint outs, get the boots, get the hard play action. It, it is simple football. Um, and some people say, oh, it's not it's not all these tricks and gadgets and this, that and the other. But it works. It does work with a guy like that. And, and Justin Fields, it would get his confidence up. But Matt Nagy throughout his career with the Bears, he's known to trying to get too cute with things, right? Like the third and two when you're in the red zone and you have David Montgomery that's going to give you at least two yards just falling forward every time and you run a toss play to him to go four yards behind the line of scrimmage to get two yards. It doesn't make any sense. It's stuff like that. He's you know where He's waiting for the football. You know what I mean? He's not even getting a full head of steam. He's waiting for it on the shovel pass, and then he's bursting forward. Another yeah. one real quick is, I'm getting it wrong, but Allen Robinson right now I think has like 84 receiving yards through three games on the season. Mm -hmm. I can think of three different occasions right now where I think 30 of those yards have come after the ball's been in his hands, yards after the catch. He did it again this past week, coming down with that pass and then getting that one, one of the rare first downs that we had in the game. And we talked about it last week, man. Simple stuff. Do that quick boot to the right rub Allen Robinson off and just have a quick little something to the to the sideline, get the ball in his hands and pick up five to eight yards and see if maybe he can get some more because he's a big, strong, talented dude. Like, it's not rocket science. We didn't even see them try that. It just blows yeah. my mind. So so let me give you an example. Uh, RG3, right, his first year in the league. You remember when they started out the first couple games and they, they tried something a little different than they, what they were accustomed to in, in, that, in that Shanahan offense, right? He was trying to be too cute. And then they were losing, they were doing bad, and they went on a winning streak. What did he do, right? He kind of dumbed things down. He's going to say, I'm going to go to my old Smash Mouth football. I'm going to go hard zone right, hard zone left. I'm going to have him hard boot, let him hit the corner with the option to pass or run, right? I'm going to do a little bit of RPOs, get them thinking. And look what that did for, for RG3 in that year and their team, right? They completely turned things around when they were looking like they were not going to make the playoffs. I don't know how many they won. I think nine straight games or something like that. After that, they end up going to the playoffs. And unfortunately he had that bad injury against Seattle where he tore his ACL. Um, but that's a situation where they, they dumbed it down for him. Right. And that's not a bad thing by any means, right? A, a young guy, you want to get his confidence up. Right. And, and look, RG three was like the number one selling Jersey that year, like him and luck. And it, his stats were unbelievable because as stuff started going on, right, they dumbed down, then they were able to open up the, the offense, right? And that's what it's about, right? It's like if you go to the gym, right, you're not going to try to lift 500 pounds on your first day, right? You're going to work up to it, right? You're going to do, okay, let's start at 200, then we go to 300, then eventually we go to, we go to 400, okay? And then you slowly work your way up to that 500, right? Because if you start with 500, you're going to tear your pec. Right. So it, it's a process. Right. Rome wasn't built overnight, just like this offense and Justin Fields. And people have to realize that. And I think Matt Nagy is probably thinking and I think what he's thinking with Trubisky. OK, we're, 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 we have to light it up right away. And you don't. That, that's, that's not the thing. Well, also, is it fair to say that, you know, maybe to help crystallize it a little bit when you're talking about dumbing it down a little bit for me in my head? And maybe this is what needs to be drilled into Matt Nagy's head as well as it isn't about how special the play is. It's about how special the player is. So exactly. you don't you don't need to do you can run a simple maybe vanilla or if we want to call it dumbed down or boring, whatever. You can run that play if you want to. But if you do it with a special player, that special player can make that play successful and efficient. Again, another example, look what the Ravens did. 
Lamar Jackson comes in after replacing Joe Flacco. I think they figured it out after, what, maybe a half or three quarters. We can't play this way. And, oh, guess what? They're still playing that way. They really are, right? They're still playing the Lamar Jackson way. It's not normal offensive football. It's really catered to his strength and his styles. And, oh, I don't know. The dude won an MVP about it. And, you know, and I don't know. They're still one of the perennial AFC teams in the NFL. No big deal. Exactly. And what they what, what the knock is, I saw a stat. Um, they were comparing Lamar Jackson. I forget to what quarterback, but they were just saying like how Lamar Jackson's stats don't woo and wow you. Right. But but when people talk about the best quarterbacks in the league and, and a guy that won the MVP, well, they talk about Lamar Jackson. Right. Mm-hmm. And at, at times like his stats have not been pretty at all. But the thing is, what matters in this league is is how you win when you win games. Right. And then. Justin Fields could throw for 190 yards every game, two touchdowns, have a rushing touchdown, have 60 yards rushing. And that's great. If they win the football, they take, they win the football game, they take care of the football, they keep the defense fresh, they're able to sustain longer drives. That's a win every day in the book. And people, it doesn't have to be pretty. Like, I, I don't understand why some people are like, oh, it's a boring game or this is. It doesn't matter, right? In this in this league, sometimes boring gets it done. Look at the 85 Bears. There was nothing super special about the offense. Walter Payton was an absolute beast, right? But what did they do? They ran the football. They ran the football, and it set up the play action, right? And the McMahon was able to mix and match that play action, use his feet when he could, uh, limit his turnovers, and that's the key. You play good defense, and you're able to do that offensively, and that's how you win games in this league. And those are usually the teams – that do really well, right? Teams that have the great defense, the defensive line in particular, they have a great running game and they limit their turnovers offensively. That's the key for success. Let's do uh, let's do one more topic here and then we're going to go uh, sleep for the next two days and then wake up and then do a Bears-Lions preview and try and sleep this sucker off a little bit. Um, I do want to try and get your... I want to get your your professional perspective, your analytic eye, and you know maybe a little bit of an objective try and way the Bears fans can look at how Justin Fields played. I want to just talk about him specifically. Um, in my estimation, going back and watching the film, my long short thoughts of it are: he started off pretty decently. He looked like a normal Justin Fields. You know, looked like the player that I sort of recognized. You know, throughout the preseason, calm, cool, collected. Um, you know, obviously the play calls weren't really helping him out, but they moved the change. They kicked the field goal early on. Seems sort of maybe they could have been knocking on the door a little bit. I did notice a couple of times later in the game, you know, like he missed David Montgomery opening the flat when he tried to force it into Cole Komet. There was another play where I feel like Darnell Mooney, you know, kind of sort of was able to sort of break off his tree into a slant in the middle of the field. Justin Fields held it onto it for just a little bit too long. There's another thing where I saw Cole Komet was able to beat the linebacker in the middle of, you know, there's little stuff here. And then, of course, that one where Marquise Goodwin faked the cornerback and then was wide open. Fields rolls out and all he has to do is just kind of flip it over his head. You got a big gain there. So we could pick apart that all, all day long. I do want to ask you, though, what you thought about his performance, because after everything I just said, is it fair for me to have a objective critical eye on Justin Fields when they Matt Nagy literally put a meat suit on him and then dropped him into a lion cage and then, you know, walked away and took a phone call for you know three hours? Yeah, I, I don't really put too much stock in this game because I, I just think the game plan wasn't the best. Like like I said, the first drive, you know, um, I thought I thought that was a pretty good plan. But after that, it, it, it went in the toilet because here's a young guy. Remember, I told you about uh, managing that crowd, right? Cleveland, like keeping yeah. their crowd out of it. And what it did was they a do? big they factor, just, big factor in the game. Yeah, too. exactly. And especially his first start in the dog pound, which is a tough place to play. And then you have these defensive ends 
getting multiple sacks in the first quarter, it's the first half, and their crowd is rocking, you know, because they know, like, oh, we got a young quarterback. We have all these guys that are getting sacks, so the crowd's into it the whole time. So he's he's constantly having to make all these checks, right, worry about the play count, and right, and everything and with did the I crowd see, rock. Did I see with my eyes real quick? They went to silent count, right, which means exactly. like everyone offensive line, for people that don't know, offensive line has to watch the football be hiked and then turn your head and go, oh, Miles Garrett. <laughs> exactly. So that's a tough situation. And, and that's what I was talking about with the game planning, right? You get in a situation where you're able to keep them off balance with running the football, right? And then play action. So you get in a situation where you don't have to do a straight drop back where Jason Peters and Afadi are in an obvious pass uh, protection stance. So that way you can you can disguise it a little bit. And that that's a situation where you know, I don't put too much in stock to what Justin Fields did because I think the game plan wasn't the best for him, right? And I, I think he left him out to dry there. Um, he did hold the ball at times, um, but Cleveland's coverage was pretty good. So, you know, what wasn't really a knock on him. I thought Cleveland, did, they had a great plan against the Bears and they executed. Uh, I think their defensive line did a great job. The linebackers and their secondary did a great job in coverage all day. So it, w- it was a tough situation. I think Justin Fields, in the future, whatever situation, whether whether it's a five-step drop, a three-step drop, you have to look at your progression. One, two, and if it's not there, pull the ball and go. It's as simple as that. And and I think the quarterbacks that excel in this league are the ones that get that, right? You look at a guy like Matthew Stafford, right? He's a guy that gets the ball out super quick because early on in his career, he had a habit of holding the ball too long, and he had some injuries from some hits he took from sacks and you know QB hits, and he realized, listen, I'm going to have a play clock in my head. One, two, three, it's not, boom, ball's coming out, you know? And, and that's what Justin Fields has to have. But instead of the ball coming out in that situation, use your feet, right? That's what separates you from other people. So I think, you know, I'm hoping Matt Nagy is, is working with him in that situation or B- Bill Lazor, get the situation where you have to have the play clock in. One, two, and if it's not there, tuck it and go. And I think they will be in a better situation because what it's going to do is going to limit his turnover. Because sometimes if you tell guys the ball's got to be out a situation where they force it and that's when you, ha- you have turnovers so it's a situation one two three the ball's out or the ball's not out but you you run um you know pick it pick it down to scramble in that situation yeah and it was tough too i noticed a lot of plays where he just was unable to climb the pocket and in this particular case in this matchup when he did try and break out on the outside they were just able to you know able to trip mm-hmm. him up slow him down a little bit and guys are coming from front side and behind him to take him down and they just did a great job of bottling up. I guess my final one for you, and I know a lot of Bears fans are thinking about this this week. What is your perspective on the concept of ruining a young quarterback early by exposing him to situations that can be deemed traumatic, a.k.a. what we just witnessed you know, in Cleveland on Sunday? Um, I think Justin Fields is mentally tough, but I didn't play the game. You know, What do you think is mentally kind of going through his mind this week as he preps for the Lions? And is there a residual effect that you think could be detrimental to Justin Fields' development based on just this one one performance? I don't think this one performance is because I think he he knows in his heart of heart that, that he's a good player. I think he trusts in himself. Um, but I, I leave this up to Matt Nagy, right? And I, I think, like I said, I think this is the most critical game of his career, you know, as the Bears head coach. I think it comes down to this game. And you have a young quarterback that you believe in. I think the the city b- believes in him. I think the players believe in them. Uh, the franchise believes in him. You have to set him up for success, right? 
you 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 know what the game plan should be, right? And I think it's a little bit of being stubborn on Matt Nagy's part. And I think that's why he doesn't want to relinquish the play calling duties. I think he's he's being stubborn with stuff. Like if the, the ship's going down, it's going down with me as the captain. You know, like like the Tom Hanks movie. I'm the captain now. Like, I was say that you know? another guy did it in this movie called Titanic. And I also remember <laughs> yeah. that ending poorly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I think it's a situation where he just needs to leave the ego to the side, right? Because in, in this league, players, coaches, they have egos, right? But the, the thing is, the biggest stroke on your ego is when you win games, right? When you win games, that's what's great for your ego. And sometimes it doesn't matter, you know, whether you're calling the plays or not. If the offense is doing well, why should it matter? It shouldn't, right? And and that's that's the thing. I, he just needs to take his ego to the side. I think that's half the battle because – it's not like it's just his first season and we're like, oh, we're trying to figure out. I mean, this is the same old dance that we've been seeing the 50, past few years. 50 plus games in, man. It's, exactly. So, hey, you know, it's broke. Let's fix it. Right. Let's fix it. We're one and two. We have an opportunity this week. But I think this is, the, like I said, the most critical game in Matt Nagy's career. Right. What is he going to do? Right. Is he going to give up the play calling duties or is he going to call the plays like he should have been doing this whole time with Mitchell Trubisky, with Nick Foles, whoever was the quarterback. Is he going to do it? Because uh, if not, that seat is hot. And uh, I, I think I think a lot of people are going to be asking for his firing if there's a negative offensive game and especially they lose against the 0-3 Lions. Today's episode of Believe in Bears with former Bears defensive end Corey Wooten and myself, Joey Christopoulos, was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. They're giving a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. If you use the promo code BLEAV and also Balance 7PH Supplement in partnership with Believe. Got some great products through there and play action pools. Win your office pool today by using play action pools for your survivor pool. Corey, man, as you said at the top of the pod, um, and from my perspective too, man, you know, getting into this sports industry, talking to people like you and professionals, man. I love this with all my heart, and it's such it's, it's such a passion of mine, and I love it so much. But, dude, man, days like today just suck. I don't know, man. I'm an optimistic dude. I like having a good time with you, man. I like laughing with you. Yeah. I like talking about Bears, you know, hope and success and optimism. I am not the type of analyst that, like, just wants to come on and fire off on people and get yeah. get angry and pissed, man. And, and as you mentioned in the beginning, this is kind of one of the hardest parts of the job. But, uh, my man, Corey, you make it really easy, and uh, and I, I appreciate you, man. And we're just going to have to fight through this, dude. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we're going to break down a great Bears-Lions preview and figure out how we're going to win on the lakefront in week four, and then we can move on and look for the Raiders, and, and brighter days might be ahead. What do you say? That's, that's what I'm hoping for, man. We just need a big win this week. Uh, it starts with game planning. I, I think that's the key. Uh, I think the defense is in a good enough situation. It comes down to offense. It comes down to Matt Nagy not being stubborn um and if they can do that i think this season like i said it's it's still possible to to make a great run you know at that point with a win two and two and then you, you're in a situation where if the offense does well you have you have confidence because you know what your defense can do now you know your offense what they can do with the right game planning and play calling um so i'm excited to see this game i i think last week i was excited to uh see it in, in his debut but I think, like I said, this is the most critical game of Matt Nagy's coaching career, right? This could, this could define him or break him. 
And, and, uh, it, and it's a great opportunity, too, because it just so happens to be against a non-playoff contender, which is something that Matt Nagy tends to do pretty well, again, because if you're playoff caliber, you don't have a chance. Ooh, my last shot. Got ooh. my last shot. <laughs> my That's last shot in there. Oh, man. Well, hey, what can you say when it's actually true? Uh, follow Corey uh, Wooten on Twitter at uh, Corey uh, Wooten, W-O-O-T-T-O-N, two O's, two T's. Get it right. You can follow me at Joey Sports Guy. Thank you so much for checking it out. Hopefully this is cathartic for you. You press like, press subscribe leave a rating wherever you're finding your podcast right now thanks for checking out this pod Corey. uh take us on home yeah appreciate you guys listening would love to hear your feedback uh you know we're gonna break down this uh lions game coming up uh, we're gonna give you the preview uh keys to success uh game planning is definitely gonna be in there uh there's gonna be a lot of things we're gonna go over we might have a special guest on, on the pod so we'll, we'll keep you posted on that but appreciate your guys support and bear down yeah just just live your life smile and just and bear down we're gonna be we'll be back we'll be back baby we'll be okay <laughs>